and welcome to the Conservative Atheist Podcast. I'm your host, the Conservative Atheist, and we're going to be discussing some of the hottest, controversial, and in many cases considered taboo topics. We cover every issue you've ever considered, and several you haven't even thought of, from the unique perspective of a conservative atheist. Enjoy! And welcome back to the Conservative Atheist Podcast. I'm your host, the Conservative Atheist, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Brenner Later. Hey, guys. And today we're talking about the decline of patriotism in general, but especially, especially the decline of patriotism on the left. Liberals just simply aren't patriotic anymore. In fact, they openly talk about how they despise the country, and they chant things like, uh, two, four, six, eight, America was never great. And I even saw an interview of a woman saying that she hated this country. And uh, somebody said, well, then why are you here? And they, she said, well, I can't help what country I'm born into. As if she couldn't easily leave if she wanted to. There, there's people that travel across the ocean. There's people that, that hide a stowaway in, in planes and trucks. There's people that, that go across the desert and across the rivers on rafts. They do everything they can possibly do to get here in this country. Um, with no money, no nothing. They, they go thousand, travel thousands of miles up through, uh, through Latin America to get here. And yet, you know, some, some uh, middle-class mom can't leave if she wants to leave. She could easily leave if she wanted to. She loves all the, she loves all the things this country provides. She just despises her own culture, her own race, and her own country. It's very, very strange. What do you think, Brighter Leader? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That would probably be what I think I, or I would like to think what makes me patriotic is that uh, I recognize that this is just an awesome country. <laughs> Why else would you want to live anywhere else? Exactly. Which, uh, obviously, there are other developed countries, but as far as stuff like liberty goes, it's uh, no one even comes close. But uh, yeah, I would also say the other aspect of it that kind of uh, mystifies me in particular is the is with uh, immigrants where, I mean, immigrants can sometimes be okay, but a lot of immigrants will come over here and still complain about the country and think that it's racist. You know, which it does make you think that what exactly are they, what exactly are they aiming for? And uh, other stuff has been written about this. And I know something we've talked about, but uh, a lot of immigrants think that they can just bring their own culture here uh, and think that it'll be just as rosy and think that uh, it'll be just, just as nice of a country as it is now, if not better. Even though the whole problem is that uh, if you left a country and you're bringing the same culture over, if you left a country because it was bad and you're bringing the same culture over, what does that say? <laughs> Right. Well, let, let's say you lived in Nazi Germany and you moved to the United States to get away from Nazi Germany, but you still practiced all the things that the Nazis practiced and the same attitudes and ideas and culture. How is that? How does that going to make things better over here? If you're transplanting, if you're if you came from a horrible place and you want to live in a better place and yet you bring that horrible place with you to a certain degree then you're defeating the whole purpose. And not only are you defeating it for yourself, you're defeating it for other people around you. Right. You're ruining the place you're going to. You're not making it better. Yeah. Which unfortunately, which I think this really is the, the catalyst for a lot of the decline of patriotism is that uh, we strive to make multiculturalism just the paramount virtue, which 
the problem is that uh, that ultimately just kind of induces this weird intersectional culture where you're seen as constantly oppressed and you have to constantly kind of quell those oppressive forces forces which for invariably that leads to people thinking that invariably that leads to people becoming less patriotic to be because they view patriotism as a basically like the focal point of uh, I guess whatever kind of the main like majority is or kind of the ethos of the of the nation which they view as inherently just a uh, I don't know, oppressive and antithetical to what they want to establish. Well, they, they want to be so inclusive of other people that they want to eliminate the, their own culture in the process. They feel like that the, if the United States has its own unique culture, that they're eliminating, that, that, I mean, I'm sorry, that they're oppressing other cultures. And that's just simply not the case. Nobody has a problem with you coming over and keeping some of your culture. But you also have to... Um, you, you, you have to become part of mainstream society as well. And if not, then why are you here? Right. Why are you here? If, you know, I don't even understand the idea of Chinatown. Okay, Chinatown was created a long time ago because not everybody except the Chinese and Asians and all that. Okay, so I understand that somewhat. But the people that are coming now, why are you here if you're going to continue if you're just, I, I met one time when I was at Ohio State University, I met this man. Um, it was Buckeye Donuts. It's right there on, on High Street, on North High Street, a little bit before Lane Avenue, I believe. Um, I forget what, it's the corner of High and I forget what the, the, the uh, street is, side street. But the, the man was, the, the place was owned by Greeks. And this Greek man, he was in his, he was an old man, probably 70s, maybe even 80s. He was old. Uh, and uh, he couldn't speak a word of English. And he had been here for like at least 20 years. Hmm. Or maybe longer. So when they, and, they, and I asked, and they were like, they're like, well, he's always around family. And, okay, but why are you here? Right. If you're only around other Greek people, if you only speak Greek, if you only care about Greek culture, then why the fuck are you here? It'd be like if I moved to Japan for the rest of my life and I never learned J Japanese. I didn't learn anything about the culture. I didn't learn the language at all. I couldn't speak the language. And I just lived there. That w it wouldn't make any sense. And, I, and while I'm there, I just bitch and complain about how, how Japan's different than America. How the hell would that make sense? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, if I want to live in America and just speak English and just live in, in, in uh, American culture, Western civil, you know, Western civilization, then I could do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that. yeah, I definitely do heed that point, which uh, I, I've always kind of been mystified by that as well, because you can look at some of these, like, I guess, like, uh, I guess these ethnic towns and I guess big cities, and you really can get away with just speaking one particular language. And there really are people that do that there, which I don't quite understand why I would say with those people though. And obviously I think that's, I don't know why they do it. And I think that's pretty stupid. And I think they should probably become more homogeneized is at least in the respect that they actually learn the language. But uh, I, the only difference I think with those people uh, uh, in regards to, or as it relates to other immigrants is that I don't know if those uh, other immigrants actually quite hate America as much as the other <laughs> As much as the other oh no, no, I, I, yeah, I completely agree. But believe it or not, the the people that come here love America more than the left does. Yeah, leftists that were born and raised in the United States despise America. It's it's the foreigners that love America compared to them anyway. 
Yeah. I should read, because uh, this is kind of a dovetailing or something that I think is pertinent. And this is from uh, Richard Rorty. And this was an essay he wrote, or an op-ed he wrote in the New York Times, which uh, Rorty's one of my favorite philosophers. And uh, a lot of people view him as an unhinged leftist, but uh, he didn't understand patriotism. Or he did think that, uh, he did abhor that the left uh, despised patriotism, even though he supported a, a lot of kind of goofy left-wing views in my mind. But uh, I clipped a little bit about, but here's, he starts off by complaining about the left, and he says, but, or saying the left does some good stuff, but he says, but any left is better than none. And this one is doing a great deal of good for people who have gotten a raw deal in our society. Women, African-Americans, gay men, and lesbians. This focus on marginalized groups will in the long run help to make our country much more decent, more tolerated, more tolerant, and more civilized. But there is a problem with the left. It is unpatriotic. In the name of po the politics of difference, it refuses to rejoice in the country it inhabits. It repudiates the idea of a national identity and the emotion of national. This repudiation is the difference between traditional American pluralism and the new movement called multiculturalism. Pluralism is the attempt to make America what the philosopher John Rawls called a social union of social unions, a community of communities, a nation with far more room for difference than most. Multiculturalism is turning into the attempt to keep these communities at odds with one another. And last thing it says, Academic leftists who are enthusiastic about multiculturalism distrust the recent proposal by Sheldon Hackney, chairman of the National Endowment of the Humanities, to hold televised town hall meetings to explore the meaning of American identity. Criticizing Mr. Hackney on this page on this page on January 30th, Richard Sennett, a distinguished social critic, wrote that the idea of uh, such an identity is just a gentle, gentlemanly face of nationalism and speaks of the evil of a shared national identity, which I think he really put the nail right on the head, which... I would still say a lot of kind of what he's talking about will ultimately lead to multiculturalism, but he's essentially saying that the left uh, uh, values like kind of marginalized groups or what they perceived as marginalized groups. But the problem is that uh, they don't expect any sort of like homogeneity from these groups and they want them to totally, or they want them to totally stay oppressed and they want them to totally kind of, uh, I guess, stray away from mainstream culture. And they think the moment that they actually start to kind of adhere to mainstream culture, that's not going to work because mainstream culture is inherently just oppressive. Right. Which I think that's really, that really hits the nail right on the head for leftism, which, uh, I, I mean, you, obviously I disagree with that. I have some qualms with it, but I mean, the idea of quoting kind of the John Rawls quote where, okay, well, you have some sort of diversity and you have different communities, but they probably also have a unifying message to where they can at least get behind something. It, it, maybe that could work on some level. I still think the problem is a lot of groups ultimately hate the country, but at least I could see uh, in theory how that's possible, you know? Well, they, they love the idea. They love the idea of uh, leftists love, love the idea and celebrate people celebrating their own culture and having pride in their own culture. But they hate the idea of people, of Americans uh, celebrating and loving their culture. Makes absolutely no goddamn sense. It's it's like they're they're the and they hate themselves. It's 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 a strange self-loathing. Yeah, I mean, you definitely there's all sorts of like weird. I don't know. They posit all sorts of weird evidence for this. I think a lot of it emanates from this kind of, a, and maybe this kind of goes back to a, a, a Dennis Prager quote you have, where Westerners hate their own civilization or they think it's oppressive, which. They seem to think that uh, the reason why, maybe this is some sort of weird collective guilt, but they seem to think that the reason why America does well is just because it co-opted other countries' resources and it basically just co-opted the resources of, I guess, more marginalized groups. And that's the only reason why it succeeds, which if you actually look at the actual data for this, it's absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't jive with any sort of economic models. It's of course just not. Be 
just because you take supplies and obviously some of this is just kind of hand wavy, but just because uh, a country dominates and let's say they've taken supplies, obviously they've colonized, that doesn't mean that that's the reason why they succeeded. If anything, it's probably just an effect of the reason why they succeeded, not really a cause. Right. That's it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, back to the point, because it is something I really think kind of worth pondering on is that, uh, and I really think this is the crux for a lot of it and kind of what you're talking about with the, uh, they hate their own culture. They hate their own culture, but seemingly, I guess, uh, lionize everyone else's is that I really think it, it it's because they view, if you have like a strong sense of national identity, you're ultimately drumming up. I mean, that seems to, that comports very well kind of drumming up patriotic values. But the problem is, is that uh, they view kind of the national identity as something that's naturally impressive and really antithetical to any sort of uh, heterogeneous groups. And it's just supposed to be some like homogeneized, like white Christian value system, which to some extent it is. But the whole point of that is that, okay, well, that's kind of, well, not, maybe not as much the white part, but as far as the other values, this has been actually what works. And it's not saying that no other groups can kind of uh, jive with this. It just seems right. that, uh, that this is, this has been the thing to work that because this has been this has been the thing to work or this is historically what it's been, it's not going to allow for any groups and it's just going to be inherently impressive, uh, oppressive. Yeah, it's 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 anything. It's it's if you know, if if it's us, we're always wrong. And if it's somebody else, they're always right. Yeah, they're always on the other person's side. Yeah, which is really strange. It's really fucking strange. I mean, it's one. It's 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 you know, it's like the reverse of xenophobia. They 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 hate. They don't hate other other cultures. They hate themselves. Yeah, which is just bizarre. Yeah. I I love the United States. I love our culture. Is there problems? Absolutely. Are things going? I think are things going in the wrong direction? In my opinion, absolutely. But. Does that mean I don't hate that I don't love the uh, American culture? Of course I love the American culture. Of course I love the country. Of course I'm patriotic. Of course I like our national anthem. Of course I think we're a, we're a force for good in the world. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, as far as patriotism goes, which if you typically hear the left, or left is kind of uh, bemoaned the fact that patriotism has such has, uh, so precipitously declined on the left, which I should say that uh, the most recent Gallup polls have, I guess, uh, it's if you're a liberal, uh, or liberals, uh, the rate of patriotism amongst liberals is something like 20%. <laughs> and I think that was uh, uh, those uh, that are proud to be an American or have some sort of pride in their country, which is I, which is what I think astronomically low. But uh, if you hear liberals bemoan, bemoan this fact, usually what they'll bring up is that to, look, the problem with the problem with uh, abhorring patriotism or patriotic values and not being patriotic is that you want a certain sense of identity to get stuff done. That seems like kind of just a practical kind of condition to actually drum up a lot of the social, a lot of the policies they want. And right. if you don't have this, then you're in effect just not really unified as a country. And how can you really uh, expect to get any sort of like a, a any sort of like a grand policy done? Which yeah, how can you does, get anything done? Which it does kind of make sense, and it, a lot of I've heard a lot of liberals uh, particularly bemoan this fact, which typically they're anti woke. But and Rory even made this point in an essay that. To, the problem with it is that this multiculturalism left is that it's becoming much more intersectionalist, which the problem is for like traditional kind of more uh, solid left leftist values, typically like uh, creating much more of a kind of a social democratic state and particularly something like what you'd seen in the New Deal is that 
a lot of those people actually love the country, and that's considered like the most grand kind of leftist vision there was, you know. Well, the that that's the you're talking about the old liberals. You're talking about the liberals from the 1950s, the 1960s, 70s, maybe 70s things start late 60s throughout the 70s things started to change for the left, um, and then you know so on and for, so forth during the 80s and 90s, and now we're at where we're at today. But the old liberals used to actually be patriots. That hasn't been true for a very long time. I mean, there are still some really old liberals that love the country, but most of them, most liberals, abs- I'm surprised it's 20%. I, th- I thought it would be much less. Yeah, well, I, th- I think 20% is still pretty fucking low. Yeah, of which, course it is. It's, it's yeah. disgraceful. Which, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that uh, for some reason, which I, I don't know, this really is the crux of it. This really is the heart of a lot of the things that I'm annoyed by. Uh, with a, a lot of the left and a lot of our culture in general is kind of the shifting away, which a lot of it really is kind of the shifting away of leftists from more of a kind of like class-based system to more of a much more intersectional kind of a press group system, which, I mean, I, I can't quite see how you get anything done with that. Which, which another thing you hear from these kind of liberals is that uh, they'll say something to the effect that, uh, oh, well, well, the reason why I constantly call our system racist and think that it's bad and what have you is actually because I am patriotic and it's because I want I want our system to kind of uphold the values. That, the <laughs> I know, that drives me crazy. Which they already with that and that, uh, I mean, obviously the data bears this out pretty well, but the data I think shows this pretty clearly is that uh, the problem with this is that if you view the whole system as oppressive and bad, you're not going to think that the system can be reformed. <laughs> you're going to think the system is just racist in general. Yeah, well, in general. The, the, the idea of the Constitution... And the idea of laws and fairness is the idea that everybody has the ability to try to do better, that they can improve their lives through hard work and through, you know, due diligence and intelligence. And their their idea, their notion is, is that people can absolutely do, people can be morons. People cannot study in school. People can commit crimes. And just lay about and, and live off the system. And they should still have the same amount of success as the people that work hard and try hard and that are intelligent. They, they, they want everybody to have the same outcome. Yeah. And that's just simply not, that's not based in reality. You can't, if you have a fair system, everybody can't have the same outcome because everybody doesn't have the same capabilities. Everybody's not willing to pay it, put in the same amount of time, the same amount of work. Uh, they're not as everybody's not as capable, mentally or physically. Everybody's different, and so the idea that the only way that the system can be fair is if everybody has equal outcomes is just—it's just you know—it's childish fantasy. Yeah, that is true. Which uh, I think, once again, obviously, this kind of gets right at the heart of like what we're seeing with like critical race theory shit where it's that uh, if there's any sort of disparity amongst different groups, it must be due to some sort of oppressive nature and some sort of sy- systemic bias within that kind of system. And uh, unfortunately that uh, the problem is that uh, that's going to trump any sort of meritocratic, uh, any sort of meritocratic bent that they might be sympathetic to or might be willing to heed because they're just going to think that, well, no, well, what, what, what could you be saying here? It's either that uh, they'll think that either you're saying that they're innately stupid or that they're, they just don't work as hard, which uh, they view both as very offensive. Unfortunately, that's reality. Not everybody's as intelligent as everybody else, and not everybody's as industrious as everybody else. It's, it's just the way it is. 
It really is. I've worked at jobs before where I saw people that were really super smart and they caught on to things pretty quick. Uh, and then I've seen other people that no matter how much you tell them and no matter how much you show them and no matter how much experience they have, they're still going to do a half-ass job. They're still going to, they're still going to be, uh, you know, inept at their job. And, uh, some of that is not trying hard enough. Some of that is not being focused enough. And some of it is not being intelligent enough or well-educated yeah. enough. It's just, it, it just is what it is. If you don't have the maturity and the patience to stick to a task, you're not going to be able to complete that task and you're not going to complete it the way your boss wants you to. Right. And claiming that somebody's racist because they hold you to a certain standard or they expect certain things out of you that they expect out of everybody else is, is just bullshit. Yeah. I think I should say that uh, maybe pivoting a bit and uh, I guess something I'm wondering from you is that uh, how exactly would you define patriotism? Because I mean, obviously kind of the bare bones is just a devotion to your country. But uh, yeah, that's it. The, the one thing I wonder is that uh, do you think it's much more because it, there's different uh, different opinions on this. And typically this is uh, what they used to say that it's uh, kind of a bullshit or it's an inherently like oppressive or I don't know, bad concept is that uh it's not quite clear to what extent is it like a rational thing where you just think that, uh, oh, well, this is the greatest country on the earth and that's uh, okay. Well, there's a lot of good things here, which is kind of where I think of myself as patriotic, but there also seems to be kind of an emotional component where for some reason you just absolutely love your country and <laughs> you just do so much stuff for it. Like, uh, you see so many people just put up American flags and maybe it's not as much emotional as it or rational as it is just, I just love it. You know, it's just, kind well, of like it's, a, it's both. It's both. You know, it's, it's like having a family, a country, a country is like a family. And then you get down to the culture and then you get down to the uh, extended family. And then you get down to the, to the, to the immediate family. Um, and that's what it is. So it's, it's like a, a country is like an extended family. It's like a giant house. And, you know, you're all part of the same family. And you love your country. You love your house. You love the people that live there. Uh, are there people that, you know, would you, is everything perfect? And are there things that you wish were different? Of course, absolutely. That's, there's no perfect places in the world. Never has, never will be. But it is, part of it is, is yes, you're trying to promote your own country. You're trying to promote your own well-being, your own country. And so that's part of it. But it's also an emotional part. The, the emotional key is, is that you love your own culture. You love your own country. You wish well for your own, for, for your fellow citizens. You wish well for your country. It's why people, when, when it's like why people root for their country in the Olympics. Now I wouldn't be surprised at all if liberals didn't root for their own country in the Olympics, but it's why people root for their own country in the Olympics. Yeah, I, I think there, yeah, I, I definitely think there's something to that. And I, I guess this would go in what I had in mind, and a lot of liberals bring this up, and maybe this is where I'm somewhat sympathetic to them, though obviously they take it to the nth degree, is that you do have to wonder with patriotism, and this is probably speaks to more the emotional aspect of it, but I mean, how much of patriotism is ultimately just easy, makes it much more easier to facilitate a war and makes people much more amenable to it when it could be very well be the case that, oh, well, this war might not actually have that many merits, which... I think it was a point that a lot of people made during the Iraq war, and I've heard a lot of the conservatives that I like will bring this point up, that uh, if you were anti-Iraq war, you would hear conservatives say that, uh, oh, you don't support that, that means you're not patriotic. And 
And I, I don't know. I, I guess on some level, I think that's where it's very emotional. I think it becomes kind of... Well, well no, 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 no. Let's think about this for a minute. So, so first of all, Saddam Hussein tried to assassinate George H.W. Bush. He sent two people to the ranch to kill H.W. Bush, George, George W. Bush's father. That, that attempt failed. Um, then, you know, he, he, uh, he, he invaded Kuwait. And he had done a bunch of other things as well, giving $25,000 to each family that, was a, that had a suicide bomber in Israel. Then he, like I said, he invaded Kuwait and he, started, he decided that Kuwait was going to be part of Iraq. And there was nothing anybody could do about it, even though he was warned many times not to do it. Not just by the, by the United States, but by the UN. Did it anyway. Um... He was, uh, he had, uh, he would, when we did the no fly zone the first time, he was shooting, he was shooting at our planes, shooting at the Allied forces planes that were doing this no fly zone to protect the Kurds. And he continued to shoot at our planes. That's an act of war. Trying to assassinate a, a sitting president is definitely an act of war, but also shooting at the planes is an act of war. Yeah. We, we hold on a second. Let me finish. So we still tried to keep the you know keep him under wraps, try to keep him isolated, but then we found out that France and Russia were doing and uh, Kofi Annan uh, was the head of the UN, and uh, his son was doing backdoor deals with Iraq. And so you can't you can't isolate a country. You can't give sanctions, and those sanctions work if if other countries like Russia and France. And and uh, the son of the of the UN is doing of the UN uh, Council. Um, I don't know, president. I think is was. Uh, I'm not sure, but the head of the head of the UN. Um, when his son is doing backdoor deals with the country that you're doing uh, doing economic sanctions on, against against what uh, the uh, what the, what they what's been agreed upon, that undermines the whole point. It undermines yeah. everything. Yeah, I guess my point there, and I would say first the George H.W. Bush thing. You said this before, and I looked into it. I don't think there's actually ironclad proof that that actually happened. There is. They they captured the two guys that did it. Okay, well, I just looked it up, and I remember looking it up again, and I just, it just said it's rumors, so you'd have to send me that. Which I guess my, okay. my, point, my point there is that uh, you had Al-Qaeda, and you were told of weapons of mass destruction, you were told this constant collusion, and then we're told years later that, no, this didn't happen. They just pulled a trick on us. I, I don't system. think they pulled a trick on us. I think they were wrong. Okay. Well, I'm saying just bad intelligence. And you even heard Colin Powell basically say that uh, the worst regret he ever had in his career was testifying on weapons of mass destruction. Well, you, you have to realize at the time, Saddam Hussein would brag and insinuate that he had weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, but my, I guess... So he kind of he did it to himself. Yeah. Well, you also had Saddam Hussein literally saying that, no, you can go in our factories, go see if we have weapons of mass destruction, which I point here is I'm not defending Saddam Hussein. Days and weeks later, after they wanted it in. Okay. Well, he still offered, and there was no weapons of mass destruction ever. Right, I... but if you give yourself plenty of time to move the, the weapons, first of all, he did at one time have weapons of mass destruction, and I'll tell you how I know that for a fact. Because he used chemical and biological weapon, weapons against the Iranians. Yeah, I've heard that before. I don't know if that's actually like fully like fleshed out. To... That's a hundred percent fact. Okay, but I'm saying like as far as like weapons of mass destruction, you think of like a nuclear weapon. 
So not talking about nuclear talk. weapons. We weapons of mass destruction cover nuclear weapons, uh, and they also cover chemical and biological. Okay, I think that's some equivocation. As far as as far as what you mean. No, not at all. Mass destruction. Well, were we not hearing the nuclear weapons when they bring up weapons of mass destruction? Yes, that was one of the things they brought up. No, but do you hear them saying that? Oh no, it could also be. Uh, it yes. could also be chemical weapons. And yes, oh, of course. It's very likely that that's also what it is. Yeah, of course. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't know why you're quite questioning the weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> because he had them at one time. That was proven. Yeah, but you're he... saying... I don't know. Okay, well, I guess this isn't quite what I'm getting at, which I don't quite know why. I think it's part of the part of the reason why I don't like about your... Or you said before that you don't like... Or you said before, I believe, with your... Uh, with our withdrawal from Afghanistan, that you supported it. I'm not quite sure if you actually support the if you quite supported the war in Iraq, or you still support the war in Iraq. If you, think I, I did. I, I still. I still. Yeah, I think the war in Iraq was a good idea, actually. Okay. If you tell someone, if you don't, if you do this, or if you don't stop doing this, if you draw a line in the sand, and the person goes across that line, and then you draw another line in the sand, they go across that line, and then you draw another line in the sand, they go across that line, and you never stop them then you might as well forget about it. Okay. And then somehow that this was also supposed to do with 9-11, which is typically the prefix for it, or the or the kind of the impetus for it, or at least for American people supporting it. Okay. But my point here is that uh, I, I think at least most people acknowledge pitfalls of patriotism, and that you could see this goofy stuff where people have this like emotional love, and then you get stuff like the Patriot Act, which people see as necessary, which we're starting to say, okay, it was an absolute dud. It just kind of really contributed to a lot of, uh, really to the heart of our surveillance states and also things like the war in Iraq. Well, the, the problem is, is the Patriot Act, I have no problem with the Patriot Act. The problem with the Patriot Act is it's not being implemented properly. It's it, the, the, the liberal government is turning it inwards on, on our own citizens. Yeah. That's the problem. Obama did it. And, and now, uh, now, uh, oh, uh, Joe Biden's doing it. But they're t they're turning it inwards on our own citizens, um, and instead of applying it to people like you know from terrorist countries and things of that nature, I'm sure they're doing that a little bit too. But it was never meant to be turned inward on, on our own citizens, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, which I mean that kind of gets to some of the problems I, which I was going to bring up a little bit later. But to the reason why the right's not as patriotic, or the reason why the right to, has a decline in patriotism. But I I, I guess to kind of bookend this point is that. To, what I'm sympathetic to, and the left kind of makes this point too, and I guess to some extent it does drive with kind of more nationalistic uh, virtues, which uh, I'm not necessarily averse to nationalism per se, but to this idea that you can ultimately start thinking, you can ultimately start warring, warring with other countries, which uh, the question is, to what extent is that actually legitimate, and to what extent is that ultimately just something bullshit that's done kind of false pretenses that just, I guess, string on your own emotions? Well, I, I think we've talked about this before, and I, and I, I we've agreed, maybe you've changed your mind, but we're we're actually uh, at war with with Islam in the Middle East. There's a global war going on right now, and so what you're naming is you're naming different battlefields, but there's a, there's an overall global cultural war, and that ha that's you're you're picking out little battles here and there, but this is an overall war against the encroachment of Islam on Western civilization. And the problems that they, the nonstop problems that they're constantly causing. And so, you know, it's like people are saying, people criticize the thing, same thing with uh, when, we, when we were at war 
we had a Cold War going on with the US, USSR, with the Soviet Union. Then they point out little battles here and there around the globe, the proxy wars. And, and this is what it took to bring down the USSR. USSR was a, was a global threat. And we really thought that there was any there was a good chance that we were going to go into nuclear war and everybody was going to be destroyed. So it was a chess match, and we won. I don't think the proxy wars is as far as far as that I understand the history. I'm by no means an expert on Soviet Union history, but I think as the proxy wars go, I don't really think that has had as much of an impact. Which typically they'll talk about. Afghanistan. Of course it did. No, but I'm saying typically what they'll talk about Afghanistan. And uh, I guess basically losing that war, I guess ultimately trying to, I guess, inundate with as many resources as possible, which I would, that's typically good evidence for it from my understanding. But the problem with that is that uh, I think it was basically already on the brink of it. And I think it's basically what we're seeing now with Russia and Ukraine, where for some reason Russia does not stand down and they become much more bullish on it. And ultimately, it ultimately is part of their unraveling. So Afghanistan was one of the wars, one of the proxy wars. Um, another proxy war was different battles in, uh, in Latin America and, uh, you know, us keeping, uh, us keeping the Russians out of Cuba because the Russians, the Russians wanted to put, uh, oh, missiles in Cuba. But they were in Cuba and they won that. They don't have missiles in Cuba. No, I said they weren't. I said I said they were in Cuba, and they moved. Well, I believe after the Bay of Pigs, they moved missiles. It was some sort of agreement where they moved missiles out of that, and I believe the United States moved missiles somewhere. Near we we forced them to move missiles. We forced them not to bring uh, missiles into Cuba. Yeah, JFK think- JFK did that. We actually put up a, a naval blockade, and wouldn't allow Russian ships in Cuba. Yeah, well, I don't think that's quite the history. I think most of that was just a negotiation we were able to work through. No. I don't think that's correct. That is correct. Okay, well, I'm challenging you here. Okay, good. I'm just saying I'm challenging you here. Good. Okay. I'm, uh, I think we're kind of getting on different tangents, which <laughs> I think is a, for a conversation for another time. I still have more points I wanted to make about patriotism. Go ahead. But uh, I guess kind of dovetailing with, uh, which I guess kind of the, the right-wing patriotism and the things that uh, I'm wondering from the rights, and I'm not quite sure what you would think of this. And other people, we've had guests on that have kind of made this point as well, but uh, they view patriotism as mostly a dud because we, and I think they're, I think they're correct on this one trivial point, that uh, look, patriotism, the idea of patriotism is that you have a universal message that's shared by all people, and it's at least a monolithic thing that people can pull from, which at least one time we've had this, which... The problem is now, if you look at like the average Californian liberal and you look at some guy from Arkansas, there's really not going to be that much in common. So the idea of like one Arkansanian guy basically, I guess, valuing, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess becoming being patriotic and in effect kind of demarcating the whole country by that is ultimately should be seen as a dud. Because what what exactly are you fighting for? It's you're, fight, you're, you're fighting for the country. Just because there's certain states and there's certain, just because liberals exist that are anti-American doesn't mean you should be, shouldn't be pro-American. Just because there's people, that they're members of your family that don't give a shit about your family doesn't mean that you shouldn't care about your family. Yeah, I think the difference between that, and this is where I think there could at least be some validity to it, is that, okay, if the people that really don't give two shits about America, let's say those people are ultimately put in positions of power, which I'd argue a lot of those sentiments are, 
And you kind of have a sentiments that are much more intersectional, that are much more this country is white supremacist, we have to fight this stuff. Uh, white supremacy is the biggest threats or the biggest uh, domestic threat we have. And this is being uh, promulgated by your own government. When do you start to say, okay, well, what exactly is patriotic here? And what exactly am I fighting? Why? What exactly am I, am I fighting for when I espouse patriotic virtues? Well, you're fighting to bring the country back in line with what it used to be. There, there's certain principles, there's guiding principles laid down by the Constitution and by the Founding Fathers, and you're trying to keep the country in, 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 as closely in line with those principles as possible. And so if you just give up, you're, I mean, what, you're, what it sounds like you're saying is you might as well just throw your hands up and give up Yo, because, wonder, it's, because it's all lost. If it's all lost, then this, this entire conversation is pointless. No, but my point there is, well, I don't think it actually is. I think there's still a question of what exactly patriotism is. I, I, you know, you know what you know what patriotism is. Patriotism is loving the country, loving your country, even though it's not perfect, and trying to strive to make it better and 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 restore it back to its original intent. Gotcha. Okay, so kind of more of a kind of general cultural conservatism, as far as the right wingers that are still patriotic will still recognizing some of this stuff. Yes. Which I guess my point there is that. Uh, and this is a point made by Marjorie Taylor Greene, which I'm not the biggest Marjorie Taylor Greene fan, but uh, I wonder if she made a point here where she, in effect, said that, okay, well, if you're like some patriotic, uh, I don't know, some white Southerner, and maybe you thought about joining the military, maybe you shouldn't do that for a country that absolutely despises you, where you have generals saying that, uh, oh, well, white supremacy is the biggest problem, and this is something we need to be, this is something that we constantly need to, I guess, uh, uh, try to quell. I think there's a question there is that would you become, and that's where it's a salient case of patriotism, where if you actually think the country hates you, doesn't really care, they give a shit about you, should you still fight for that country? Yes. Okay. So you think that, let me ask you this, if it's like a Jewish person during maybe World War One in Germany, where the country's inherently anti-Semitic. Well, not World War One, World War Two. No, but I'm saying even like the Kaiser during World War One was inherently anti-Semitic. Or at least something. Mm, it's kind of a bad analogy. No, but I'm saying I'm saying if you live in a country where maybe you're viewed as like racist, which I guess the, actually no, this might not be a bad analogy because I guess you could think of like a World War II where you could look at some racist things, and I don't think it's quite apt to say that black people shouldn't have fought. No, it, it depends. It depends if 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 that if that's the way somebody feels, they should leave the country. It's, it's just that simple. If I lived during, if I lived in in uh, Nazi Germany, I would have left. Yeah. I would I would have abandoned the country, if it's to that point. So anybody that says that you know that, that espouses these views that the country is no longer worth loving, and no no longer uh, you know worth uh, being patriotic to, they can leave. Why not leave? Why why would you stay in a country that that's no longer uh, that that doesn't deserve your respect and according to liberals never deserved our respect. Yeah. Remember 2468 America was never great. If they truly feel that way, why are they here? Okay. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't live in Nazi Germany. I would fight to make sure that Nazi Germany didn't become what what it, what it, what it became. But if it became Nazi Germany, I would be gone. So I don't believe that liberals in their heart of heart really believe what they're saying, because if they did, they would put their words, they put their ass where their mouth is. 
They would they they would they would vote with their feet, but they're not. Okay. Well, I don't think. I guess the the kind of analogy with Nazi Germany, I think that kind of goes to my point, or at least something that I think could be valid. Which I think they're still. Which I'm, I'm trying to. I hope my point's being clear here. But if you look at like a, I don't know. Let's say you're a very patriotic German Jew, during the time of the 30s, and Hitler comes into power, and at the time you think that oh, I love this country, I love this country, but. It's seemingly there you're eventually saying that, oh, well, you understand the country is just too anti-Semitic and this isn't going to bode well for you, so you eventually leave. That's right. Okay. So you're saying, which I guess the question If I lived in South Africa right now, I would be trying to get out. I would be okay. leaving. Okay. And I guess your idea here is with America that to, as long as there's some hope for it or, or I, I, guess, I guess the calculus would be some hope for it that to, people should still be very patriotic. Yes, of course. Okay. And you think, and I guess this is also predicated on the fact that uh, even though it's the case that uh, much of our, much of what's being promulgated by our own government and our elites is ultimately seen as kind of anti-American, or at least from kind of a perspective of uh, American being a historically oppressive country, and for some reason this needs to be rectified, that wouldn't... Uh, that shouldn't be enough to actually like stand off someone. They should still fight for it. Cause the whole idea is that, uh, Oh, well maybe we can kind of conserve some sort of patriotic value. Uh, maybe we can get the country back on track. Okay. And I guess kind of my last point here is that uh, this kind of goes to patriotism more general, which I probably should have fleshed this out a little bit more, but uh, well, I guess kind of the crux of the whole conversation is that uh, it's seemingly with patriotism is that you want everyone to have some sort of devotion to your country and some sort of unifying message. Of course. No matter, I guess, how substantial the differences might be. Right. It's that... Uh, there should be one unifying thing, and that's that we're all Americans. And I, I'm not the only one that says that. I hear a lot of people say that both on the... I've even heard some leftists say that. Not, not, not far left, but I've heard some liberals say that. Yeah. I guess that, that brings me back to another point I was thinking about, which... Uh, and I do kind of, I do kind of wonder this, and I think a lot of conservatives make fun of this. Which, I guess, to some extent, there's an irony in this, but uh, they'll they'll bring up, and I think there's this is definitely founded where if you look at a lot of leftists now, they'll have like Ukrainian flags everywhere. It'll be in their profile, which I've even seen in Chicago last time I was there. They got like the the signs that say "This house believes in." It's a whole bunch of like liberal just adages. They'll believe like Ukraine, <laughs> Ukraine deserves to be sovereign or something, or something pro-Ukraine. Right. Or like that flag will be Ukrainian. And I guess I've heard a lot of conservatives basically say that, no, that's stupid. Why do you care so much about Ukraine? Which the irony is, is that I actually think that's the left being patriotic about something. And well, no, that's the strange thing. As I said before, they love every culture and every country besides their own. They don't give a shit about the United States. They couldn't care less if the, if the United States collapses. In fact, a lot of them wish that the United States would collapse. And so... They're very concerned about the Ukraine collapsing and the Ukraine maintaining its sovereignty, but they, they couldn't give a rat's ass less about the United States. They don't care about securing our borders. They don't care about making sure that terrorists don't come in. You're making a hell of a lot of noise. Okay, sorry. Uh, they don't care about, uh, you know, drug fentanyl coming across the, the southern border. They don't care about any of that. And so there's actually a civil war between the cartels and the and the and the and the, the Mexican government going on right across our border, and the border towns and cities along the border, and uh, it's never it's never in the news, never talked about. 
every once in a while on Fox News, or every once in a while you'll see something on YouTube, but that's about it. Yeah, so I guess my point to, to that is that uh, this seems like a very, very emotional thing that they're basically attaching them to attaching themselves to which i think jives well with a lot of what we see when patriotism kind of gets drummed up or revved up which i think in a weird way it's almost i'm starting to wonder if it's almost like they're actually this is almost like the inversion of patriotism or the inversion of conventional patriotism showing its head where they look at this country being invaded by russia which they view which they had like this weird russiagate conspiracy for and they look at being overtaken and then they ultimately kind of like uh i don't know hitch their (laughs) hitch their wagons to that, and that that's something that they defend to the nth degree now. Which is almost well, like well, that, well, that, well, that's the strange thing because back when I was in, back when I was a teenager, back in the seventies when I was a little kid, and back when I was a teenager in the uh, in the eighties, um, you know, USSR was considered the enemy by the right. The left was constantly um, sympathetic with the, with the, with the, the USSR and with the Iron Curtain constantly. Um, and, uh, in fact, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bernie Sanders. I know this sounds crazy, but it's true. You can see the video. Um, you can look it up. Bernie Sanders, uh, went, he had his honeymoon in, uh, Moscow. So Moscow or St. Petersburg? I think it was Moscow. So strange stuff. The, the, the left loved the USSR. Now, now they're talking about how Russia is, is this evil boogeyman, and they used to make fun of the right because they would say that, hey, you know, the communist threat is a big problem, and the USSR is an evil empire. In fact, they make fun of George, or I'm not George Bush, they made fun of Ronald Reagan calling the USSR an evil empire. So yeah. now, now, now all of a sudden they're on the side of Russia, or, or now, no, I'm sorry, now all of a sudden they're against Russia. Yeah, I don't know how many uh, Democrats were uh, feverly pro-Russia in the 70s and 80s when you were growing up. There was a That's lot. It. Okay. It was shocking. Yeah, I guess my... Like, I, yeah, you're kind of going with other things. I, I guess my point where you said they defend other people's cultures, which you could definitely look at kind of woke stuff, but if you actually look at Ukraine, it's a 99% white country that in fact has some very, very conservative values if you actually look at the country, and that's the one they're supporting. Which... Some people have made this weird point, and I'm wondering what the validity to it is, is that I think there's one aspect of it where Russia is like the sworn enemy of the United States, or that's the way it's been looked at it, and they're the ones that are meddling in our elections, and they just view it as pure evil. But there's also another aspect, which I think maybe there's some validity to it, and I mean, I, I don't think that uh, this is probably jiving well with a lot of like the moronic leftists, but it's also when you see a country where it's like, okay, it's white people being like blown to smithereens, and like on fire and the whole country's at war, you think that, okay, well, that's something odd. That's something that can come close to home, you know? Right. And I think there's also some validity to that. And other people have kind of made that point is that uh, if you look at kind of the Russian war, and this has been liberal commentators, they'll say that it seems odd because when you tend to see war, you tend to see like black and brown people, but this is white people. But uh, I, I think you disagree with most of the premises there. I guess I'm saying that to, it seems to me that this is like a weird patri- a patriotism that they're having towards Ukraine, or at least something that if they were there, it would be viewed as patriotism. And it's probably yeah. I, th- I think if they are Ukrainian, it would definitely be patriotism, but they're not Ukrainian. Yeah, which it seems very similar to what happened in like nine eleven, where you just saw people post up American flags, and 
would constantly try to, I guess, lionize America. But for some reason, that's happening in Ukraine now. <laughs> Which, yeah, that was sad. That was really sad. And I'll tell you what, what made made it sad. I, I mean, everybody was patriotic. Everybody was was proud to be an American right after nine eleven, and that lasted for like fifteen minutes. Yeah. It lasted for about 15 minutes, and then the left was right back to hating America and blaming America for everything. It was sad, though. It was, not, it was nice while it lasted, but I knew it wasn't going to last. Yeah. Yeah, probably done. It should. Yeah, I was very, very, yeah, I was so proud of everybody. Uh, it was horrible that it happened, but I was proud about the reaction. And then it just, it just did not last. Yeah. Other people have also made the point that to what exactly would happen today if uh, there was something seen as another 9-11. Would the country become much more patriotic or would it not really go to much avail? And I do kind of, I've wondered that at times before too. But uh, I, I think I should say that. Uh, they would. We, would. we would become much more patriotic for a few months, for a few weeks, maybe months. And then it would be right back to business as usual. Yeah. Which... And the left would be trying to figure out ways of blaming the United States, and it would all get turned on its head again. I think, but it the... was it was nice while it lasted. It was just too brief. Yeah, I think that also begs the question that uh, what kind of implications does that have as far as uh, as far as patriotism being emotional or more rational? Which I guess you could say if uh, there's a huge like uh, groundswell of patriotism after something like that, it shows that. Uh, well, one, the huge groundswell was due to emotion, especially because if it doesn't last. But it could also well, it's both. It's both rational and, and it's rational because you're supporting the, the existence of your country, defending your country, you're defending your way of life, you're defending your own life, essentially. But it's also there. Of course, there's an emotional component. We're not fucking robots. No, well, I guess my point there was that uh, that, that wasn't the point I was making. Which uh, I would still say it's very emotional, and I still think that. Uh, I mean, one of the whole ideas of emotion is that you view it as, okay, well, this is imperative to my survival, which I don't really think you can quite say that's rational or that's quite rational because uh, it's it's that way if it emanates purely from emotion. But uh, my point there was that uh, if it's the case that uh, there's this huge groundswell in patriotism uh, uh, after something like that, and it's very well probably just due to emotion, or that's probably what you could chalk up at the chalk the lion share, lion share of it up to. And it, it does, I think it has interesting implications for, I guess, patriotism of the past, because you could ultimately say that uh, if it was much more kind of chronic and actually lasted a while, you could say maybe it was more of kind of a rational thing to where they ultimately kind of recognize deep down that, okay, well, this is the best country in the world. Uh, there's so many good things happening here and stuff like well, that. Well, no, what it, what it shows is, is it shows that the left just hates America. They, they just absolutely despise. They despise Western civilization in general. They specifically st- hate America because they can see America as the head of, uh, you know, the main country in, in Western civilization, which, of course, we are. And they, they, that's why they hate us. They absolutely despise us. And so um, their emotional need, to, to their, their overwhelming need to despise Western civilization was interrupted for just a, a brief moment in time. When they, when they saw what what could be done to our to our country and to uh, innocent people, well, I guess I would kind of uh, the way it would square that with what I'm thinking is that uh, I'm thinking that's actually there's probably some validity to that, and 
I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just very much interested in kind of the uh, patriotism just being kind of an emotional thing, which I think if kind of squaring it with kind of the way I look at it is that uh, it could be that you're just always very emotional about something. And for a lot of people, just more intersectional and shit. But uh, for that moment, that got turned off or that was like circumvented and it was more emotional about our country, which maybe something like that's at play, too. Nothing wrong with loving your country. It's, no, it's like there's nothing wrong with loving your family members. We're not robots. We don't we don't live with our parents because our parents give us food and give us housing, give us a place to live and and clothing. I mean, is that a part of it? Of course it is. But do we also love our parents? Of course we do. Yeah, I should be clear that I'm not to, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I'm just saying it's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, I'm just saying. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think patriotism is a bad thing? No, I'm saying as I as I said before, I think there can be some pitfalls to it. Okay, I'm not well, saying I'm, I'm still saying I, I'm not really sure how this factors into why is the left so unpatriotic. Well, well, it was also patriotism in general, which I'm giving kind of my more general account of it. <laughs> I can tell. I, yeah, I'm not saying I said before that it would be much better living in a country that was much more patriotic. That's, right. that's undeniable. I'm just saying that there can still be some cons from that, just as I would concede that there's just probably much more pros. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's much more pros, I think. I mean, you know, the idea that you're going to strive to make the country better, the idea that you have an emotional attachment to your country, just like you have an emotional attachment, attachment to your family, um, and you want to see its overall well-being. Those are all good things. Yeah. And without those things, without, without, without a connection, then, you know, we're just robots all living in the same spot. Yeah. Another thing I'm kind of wondering is that the the liberals that uh, the liberals that are I guess somewhat patriotic, which typically is much more the old guard. Do you ever think that I'm always wondering if part of the reason why they're patriotic is because they think to themselves ultimately that uh, okay, well I'm doing very well right now and I'm living I'm living in this country, so this country probably afforded me some things, and the idea of despising it is ultimately just a moronic thing to do, you know? Yeah, of course, and, and they're right; it is a moronic thing to do. Yeah, which I mean, the 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 idea that you know you're going to live one of the best lives in the world compared to anywhere else on the planet, and you're gonna you know turn around and shit all over it is just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think conversely, and this is a point that uh, obviously I'm just kind of interested. I'm also I'm very interested from this point of like just general political correctness, and I think really the crux of this is just like an intersectionality that's undercutting the. Intersectionality and kind of wokeness more generally that's undercutting patriotism. But even someone like Glenn Greenwald's made this point astutely critiquing the media that uh, we're looking at like an Indian woman that's getting a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot of criticism by someone like Tucker Carlson. I remember he once made this point. And then he made the point that how ridiculous this is because just because she's Indian, she's viewed as like this naturally oppressed person when it's the case that she's literally the most privileged person on earth and has a job making like $20 million a year. Of course. And for some reason, we have this like backwards culture, and I think that that ultimately does kind of uh, what what kind of causes us to do that. I think it's really the same thing that causes us to be so unpatriotic, you know. It's a well the the, the idea that somebody is, that it's extremely privileged and and lives in the lap of luxury is oppressed, and somebody who lives in poverty is the oppressor is just is, is just shows the the absolute upside down backwards mindset of a leftist yeah i mean it was interesting looking at kind of the gallup polls on patriotism in insofar as you got to compare other countries because 
if you look at a country like France and or France and Germany, you find that to, I mean, the rate of patriotism on the left is definitely lower than it is on the right in those countries, but it's still like 45%. And the right's a tad bit higher in those countries, which you do kind of have to wonder why exactly that it is, which I, I'm guessing it's probably one of those things where for whatever reason in some of those countries, though, they're obviously having a lot of racial turmoil from, I guess, uh, different ethnicities and different cultures bringing their stuff, their problems there. So maybe it just hasn't totally uh, seeped itself into the discourse. But I'm wondering if it's almost more that uh, it's still not really an intersectional left and it's much more of a class-based left. And these people probably deep down understand that uh, they don't actually hate the system that affords them stuff because they actually want stuff from it. I, I would like to think that's what it is. I, I don't know. We do have some leftists in, in those places that absolutely despise their own country as well. And think that, uh, you know, criticizing anybody who's not white is somehow racist. Yeah. So that, that, that's the thing I don't understand. If you truly want to be fair, if you truly want to be equal all across the board, then criticism has to be given you know, across the board. You can't say, well, every time you disagree with a black person or every time you criticize their behavior or you call them to task on something they've done they shouldn't have done, you know, violent criminal behavior, for for example, that it, you're only doing it because you're racist. Right. That's that's just a very strange way to think, of th- think about things. I, I call people to task for doing bad things, and that's it. If it's mostly men, it's mostly men. If it's mostly women, if it's mostly women, if it's mostly Chinese or black or white or whoever, whoever is doing the lion's share, causing the lion's share of the problems, that's the people I focus on. Also, again, there's a lot of noise coming from your side. Okay, well, we're going to have to do more mic checks because I have to figure out why this is. Okay. A lot of pops and rubbing sounds. Okay. Um, no, it's it's gone now. So. Okay. I'm, just, right. I'm trying to think if we if there's really anything else to bring up. Um, just that there's you know this country has gone definitely in a in the wrong direction. Um, you know I like the idea of baseball. I like the idea of apple pie. I like the idea of of uh, you know all the different things that come with American culture and why people would hate that. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, mean, if you look at other cultures where women are treated like basically like property, where children are treated like property that can be beaten or killed or whatever, mistreated. I mean, how could you, how could you think that those cultures are, are better than ours? I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely definitely agree with that. And uh, for some reason, they they seem to lionize a lot of cultures, a lot of, uh, I don't know, minority or press cultures in their minds that uh, ultimately, uh, ultimately, uh, their culture drives well with a lot of that stuff that uh, they seem to ultimately despise at the same time. Which, uh, yeah, and I, I used to think that it was out of ignorance that they didn't know. But even people that had visited these countries and did know were still basically... Okay. We're still basically saying the same things, even though that there's no way they could not know. Okay. Yeah, I think the, the last point I would make, and this kind of drives the stuff I've already said, but to, 
I guess just me being somewhat skeptical of patriotism or skeptical of American patriotism and if it can ever be reversed or if it'll always kind of be on the same trajectory it is now that, uh, which which this has to do with kind of in regards to what you see with uh, people saying like the global American empire that's uh, basically the values for this country is basically just set you see America just start to preach a bunch of seemingly just woke ideologies and they seem to spread them all over the world and there's a question is that basically our essence and there's really no way to negate that well, that's the that's the left. That's the problem. The entire problem is the left, because all these woke ideologies and and saying you know transgender and and uh, you know oh uh, you know oh uh, transgender uh, or transvestite uh, story. Man, I can't even talk. There's so much noise coming from I have, my. Okay, I truly have no idea where it's coming from. Okay, it's popping and clicking and rubbing and. Okay. Okay, so so all these things that the transgender or, tra- or transvestite story hour at public libraries, that the gay pride parade where little kids are being brought, and the kids are twerk the the, the grown man's in a in a thong bikini, twerking literally twerking his ass and junk in the guy and the kid little kid's face, all this is leftist stuff. No conservative in a million years would have their kids standing there, uh, a two feet away from some guy twerking his his, his, his his package right in the kid's face. Yeah. I'm, I'm obviously not denying that whatsoever. Just so that's, that, that's the problem. It's, it's not America. It's, it's, it's the fact that the left has become so, so vulgar and filthy and disgusting and off the rails. And, and yeah, they're spreading their bullshit all over the world and, and the world is eating it up. Yeah. Not so- everywhere. Not everywhere, but they're eating it up a lot of places. Yeah, well, I obviously accept that, and that's just a trivial point that this is coming from the left. I guess my point is that uh, it seemed to really kind of inculcate itself and embed itself within kind of a lot of our institutions, and particularly something like the military. You can just look at the most just moronic, just woke stuff, and they'll constantly kind of preach this stuff where they'll literally put on like their major social media accounts stuff about like, oh, well, look at this. This is the first flight helicopter that's piloted by old gay men. You know, <laughs> it doesn't appear, which maybe the only thing that I could see maybe undercut this eventually is that they can understand that, to, well, I mean, if you just kind of have woke people doing this, they're not quite patriotic and these are the values that they're espousing. So if you actually want to be more practical about it, you have to kind of, I guess, make it more amenable to people that to, are not as sympathetic to this. But it's still the case that you see shit like this and it makes you wonder, okay, well, if the thing that's literally like the, I don't know. It's it's like the most salient example of uh, of patriotism. It's ultimately being co opted by a lot of the left wing stuff. What does that say? Is there any hope? I don't know. I hope there is. The best we can do is try and try and try and try and try. Yeah. Which, if, if let me tell you this, if we give up, there is no hope. Yeah. I, I guess the one thing I'm, I'm kind of thinking of this conversation, if if maybe if maybe there's almost like a weird inverted patriotism where they make, they value like intersectionality and they ultimately go along with this woke stuff. And maybe that's like a calling card for a lot of these people, even though in a weird way, I think invariably they're still going to hate the system and think it's oppressive or hate, like they need like one main guy and they need like an intersectional totem pole, which typically is like white Christian values or something like that. But I still wonder if there's kind of like in a weird way, there's almost like this more universal. If there's almost like a weird, they actually are patriotic, but 
they're patriotic to their kind of weird value set. And well, that's not patriotic. That's yeah. That's something different. <laughs> well, it could be that. Well, I'm just wondering if it's almost this weird way where if you ask them if they're patriotic, they'll think in America they'll think of like an oppressive culture, but to, as far as what the, I think the culture a lot of it actually espouses, they actually are sympathetic to that. Which I I don't know. There's still problems with this too because I still think a lot of that ultimately kind of uh, boils down to a sense of entitlement, and I think that's obviously very antithetical to patriotism. But I, I guess I'm just wondering from patriotism, it seems like the necessary condition to have that is some sort of unifying message, and I'm almost wondering if a way they actually have a unifying message. Well, their 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 message. I I remember that. Uh, I remember the famous part of the famous speech given by JFK. Think not. Uh, think not what you what you what uh, your country can do for you. Think what you can do for your country. I'm. I probably butchered that, but the the point is is that the left thinks not what they can do for their country. They think what the country can do for them. And uh, at this point, it's catered to every crazy fucking need that they and, and want that they have. Any any whim, uh, any any inkling of anything they want, they should get instantly, and the government should supply it. And everybody should buy into it. Okay. And that's not patriotism. That's that's self-absorbed narcissism. Yeah, I would agree with that. So my, you know, the idea of patriotism is you're devoted to your country, not that you're you want the country to devote be devoted to you and, and every single whim that crosses your mind. Yeah, I'm guessing it's probably like a, with kind of the more leftist kind of values. It's that. Uh, it's that it actually is a unifying message, which uh, or a unifying vision, which is obviously necessarily part of uh, patriotism. But their unifying vision is much more of entitlements and what they can actually get, and not not as much of a kind of like going back to the GFK adage of uh, actually devoting yourself to kind of a movement or a kind of an idea. Well, the strange thing is, is that they don't understand that if we completely open the floodgates and let everybody come in here that wanted to come in here, this country would no longer exist. Right. I, I don't understand how they can't figure that out. I mean, we we would have more, we'd have a larger population than India and China combined if we just opened up the floodgates and said anybody that wants to come can come. And that, that would be the end of the United States. We would literally collapse. Yeah, there definitely uh, erode our patriotism or erode our universal kind of message uh, to probably be integrated, but more so. Oh, everything would collapse. Our, our infrastructure, everything. No, I'm saying much more the kind of economical aspects, which uh, is, uh, I think, something that everyone should chat. I think everyone should love in America. That would definitely be uh, negated as well. And that would be more important. I agree. I guess uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to flesh out here, which, uh, to be fair, a lot of this stuff is also kind of topical stuff we occasionally bring up. So it's not like we're this that much. I, I would say kind of back to the, the quote from Rorty, and Rorty's one of my favorite philosophers, and uh, he's probably... I mean, you call yourself a pragmatist, which uh, he was really the one to kind of popularize pragmatism in the latter half of the 20th century. But uh, kind of the point he was making in that essay where he thought that you could have a pluralistic left where where they accept, like, different values or different marginalized groups, and they try to accept that. But uh, they still have a, I don't, I don't know, but this idea of multiculturalism where you see all cultures as multiple and, or you see, you think that you can have multiple cultures and that they can seemingly all coalesce and do fine is a, a bridge too far. Do you think there's actually any sort of credence to the idea of like pluralism or 
Because it seems like to me that eventually what happens is that if you have a culture that has to thrive, it has to be the case that uh, a lot of those kind of subset cultures ultimately have to dissolve and they have to become something else. Well, they have to. They don't. They, they don't have to completely dissolve, but they they do have to integrate. And and uh, you know they're they're not doing that. We, we've given up on that. Apparently, the the left has given up on it. The left wants it to be to go instead of a melting pot. They want a they want a veg, they want a vegetable soup. They want all the different pieces to may, remain uh, constant and the same. And that just doesn't work. I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm guessing that's also right. I would say probably the differences between, a, I guess, kind of more European immigration is that eventually, even though you eventually have, like, remnants of, like, kind of their old culture, they would still like their old towns, eventually it became the, the fact that, like, in the next, like, two, three generations, you would see, like, an Irish and Italian family breeding, you know, which you're not yep. really seeing that as much with the, a lot of our other cultures where they seem to still think of themselves as a particular set of people and with a particular struggle and... I, I don't know. I do kind of wonder that if uh, if there's any actual hope to the left is kind of what kind of wording was preaching for that say you could have a pluralistic uh, value system and you could still be very patriotic. I would think well, not. Be, I would think not really quickly. I would think not. Because my whole point is that uh, if you value that stuff, it's going to be due to intersectionality, which uh, intersectionality does not jive with patriotism whatsoever. Well, some cultures are just too different to mesh. I know that's not a popular opinion, but it's true. Some cultures are just too different. It's it's like a couple getting together. It's like a man and a woman getting together. Some people are just too different to get along. And that's the case with, uh, you know, that's the case with uh, certain cultures. Some cultures are just way too different to, to get along properly. And so the, the more you, the more you bring in a culture that's antithetical to yours, the more problems there's going to be, and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I think that's probably trivially true. That uh, some cultures can't really that uh, aren't amenable to kind of the dom or kind of the mainstream culture, and it's not quite clear what exactly how exactly you go about to integrating those cultures, and even if you can, and what exactly do you do if they don't get integrated? Yeah, well, if you if well, there's nothing you can do, if they don't get integrated, then you're just screwed. Then they're there, and there you are, and uh, it's just constant, nonstop conflict. Yeah, and so that's why you get nine elevens. That's why you get uh, you know the seven seven bombing of the uh, of the London Underground and their buses. That's why you get the stabbings on the London Bridge, um, and all the other different terrorist attacks that's happened. Some cultures are just not compatible with others. And uh, it's kind of like putting a piranha in with, uh, with uh, you know, other types of fish. When you, go to a, when, you go to a, when you go to a pet store, they have fish. And you really have to pay t t attention to the color coding on the tanks. Because each color coding means that the fish is either more passive and relaxed or more aggressive and and uh, and not amenable to being in with certain types of other fish, and that's kind of the way it is with cultures. Yeah. Some cultures, you know, though, you know, even if they're somewhat different, they're gonna they're gonna you know somewhat live and let live. And some cultures, you put you put them in with other other another culture, and they're gonna there's gonna be constant conflict. 
Yeah. I... Yeah. I should say also, I've kind of made this point about intersectionality in general, that uh, I, I think there's a couple kind of uh, ethnicities and, I guess, religions in particular where they really... It's not only that they can't be assimilated, it's just that they're really going to cause constant conflict. Whereas, I think there are other ones where... I mean, there could be, like, an Asian guy... Let's say you have, like, a Chinese town where none of the people speak English, and for some reason they kind of, like, uh, this became inculcated, and they do this. That might not be that bad, because I don't quite know if those people are going to quite create crime, you know? They're not. Which, I guess, is probably not good as far as unifying vision, but to, as far as a lot of the stuff that I'm more worried about, which is as crime and illegality, they might not really be that bad, or that's a, that disadvantageous to them. Well, like I said, there's some cultures that where they're they're a lot different than the mainstream culture, but they can live and let live. And there's cultures out there that they're a lot different than the mainstream culture, and they can't let and let live. Okay, they just can't. I, I think Islamic culture is one of those cultures, uh, the Islamic world, um, and of course Sub-Saharan Africa. A lot of the cultures that are in Sub-Saharan Africa. They, they're just simply not going to mesh with mainstream society in the United States or in Western civilization in general. And so it's just going to be constant, nonstop conflict. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's not good for anybody. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Which, uh, I, would, I would hope patriotism, which I think that does beg the question is if they can't become assimilated, then really what is the point of patriotism at a certain point? Yeah. Well, think about it. But black people have been in the United States for hundreds of years. They've been they've been in this country long before the country even was founded. And there's plenty of cultures out there that have assimilated far better than black people. Right. Well, I think, and there's no sign that that's going to change. Well, I guess you can. I would agree with that to some extent. I think it maybe in a way does kind of show that. Uh, uh, or patriotism can't be like this all-encompassing kind of cure for a lot of our problems but there's also the aspect too that to, when black people are much more patriotic throughout most of the 20th century or probably really just the early the first half of the 20th century they were much more likely to be probably participate in civics to a good degree they were less crim- criminally inclined even though they were still disproportionately criminally inclined well they were were they less crim- criminally inclined or, or did people have a foot on their neck well, I guess, I guess in a way, I'm kind of not uh, really... Do you know what I mean? No, I understand what you mean, but I still think that if you look at, like, patriotic sentiments, I don't think they quite hated the country as much. And they quite hated the mainstream, or mainstream culture. Maybe it was just because they, they really weren't allowed to, because they actually were oppressed and they weren't allowed to pull this shit. Right. I don't know. Which, I... I don't know. Maybe, maybe you, you, know you know when the crime rate and... Uh, I mean, there was crime before in the black community, a lot more than other, than other communities. But when the crime rate really exploded in the black community and all the good stats in the black community went down and all the bad stats went up, was right after the Civil Rights Act. Yeah. As soon as they gained that kind of level of freedom, everything, all the good stuff got, got upside down and, and all the bad stuff went to the top. The violent crime, the STD rate, the out-of-wedlock birth rate, uh, the high school dropout rate, everything. Yeah, and I guess that's a, I keep making this point, but to, that does kind of show like the, a paradigm shift where 
where for black people it wasn't as much about like patriot patriotic values or at the very least it wasn't as much about patriotic values the vision for them was like oh well, the country's been oppressed to us and this has to be rectified which i think that'll be a primer for the <laughs> that'll be uh that'll be kind of the crux of our uh Martin Luther King discussion at least where i could fall to them yeah that's one of the things i wanted to mention before we wrap things up um we're going to do so black history month is february I don't think there should be a Black History Month. There's not a Chinese History Month. I think there's a, supposedly a Native American History Month. I don't even know what month it is. Maybe it's November. I, I don't know. But there shouldn't be a History Month for any culture. It's just history. But there is. And so, you know, February apparently is Black History Month, which is not this Wednesday, but a week from this Wednesday. And we're going to do Martin Luther King, Jr., but we're going to discuss the other side. People are constantly, especially the truth conductor, a.k.a. Don Fulton, constantly talking about how people don't talk about black history. There's a lot of black history that's not discussed. We're going to talk about the character and nature of, of Martin Luther King Jr. And it's going to be the not-so-pretty side of Martin Luther King Jr. that's never discussed, literally almost never discussed. And so we're going to discuss that. That's how we're going to kick off uh, Black History Month. So if anybody's interested in hearing that, I, I encourage them to, to come and, and listen. Because it should be interesting. It may make you angry. But it should be interesting. Okay, did you have anything else you'd like to say before we wrap things up? I think we probably said everything. I think so, too. I love this country with all its flaws and blemishes. And, and even though it's, it's going in the wrong direction, and you know, with all this political correctness and wokeness and transgender and all this other bullshit, I still love this country and I still want to, su to succeed and I still have hope for it. So that being said, this is the conservative atheist. You've been listening to the conservative atheist podcast. Uh, I'm your host again, conservative atheist and i was joined today by my co-host as always brighter later and uh, again today we were talking about patriotism and the lack of patriotism on the left which apparently according to polls only 20 percent of the leftists are patriotic only 20 percent, and i and i think that's actually a high number i think it's probably lower than that maybe they felt on the spot when they were asked questions so if you enjoyed this podcast we drop a podcast monday through friday uh, and that means Sunday night into Monday morning after 12.01 Eastern Standard Time. And the last one has dropped Thursday night into Friday morning after 12.01 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, they last anywhere from an hour to two hours to three hours or more, all depending on the topic that we're talking about, uh, all depending on the, the person that we're interviewing. We've interviewed everybody from the world famous to the you know, people that nobody's ever heard of and everybody in between. It also depends on the co-hosts that we have. Uh, it depends on a lot of factors, a lot of factors. So if you enjoy it, please subscribe. It's free. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on almost 60 podcast platforms. And we're heard in almost 60 countries around the world. And so please feel free to subscribe and listen to more. We talk about every topic under the sun. Uh, and, uh, you know, whether it's taboo, whether it's whatever we talk about, there is no taboo for us. 
Okay. Uh, we also have a Patreon, and the Patreon, you can watch a video um, podcast so you can see what we look like for whatever that's worth. And uh, you get all sorts of perks and merchandise and bonus material. And it starts out at $5 a month, uh, which is pennies a day, and it goes up from there. But you get all sorts of perks and merchandise and everything else uh, and bonus material right away. So thank you for listening. This has been the Conservative Atheist Podcast. Take care. One last thing before I let you go. Tonight, when you're laying flat on your back in the dark in your bed, staring up at the ceiling, trying to drift off to sleep, I want you to repeat this mantra over and over and over and over again. Conservative atheist is always right. Conservative atheist is always right. Conservative atheist is always right. Hey conservative atheist is always right and in the morning when you wake up you're going to feel like a refreshed renewed person the sun is going to shine brighter the air is going to feel crisper the flowers are going to smell sweeter and the birds are going to sing your name and all will be right with the world and if not maybe you're some unpatriotic lefty piece of shit and either start to love the country and start to try to support the country and the success of your nation and your culture or get the fuck out you know this isn't some third world country this isn't the USSR the former USSR this isn't some country that won't let you leave if you want to leave the door is open adios amigo anytime you want to leave feel free to get the fuck out of there and don't come back nobody's going to miss you Either way, you should listen to more Conservative Atheist Podcast. All right, you knuckleheads. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.